This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What's up, everybody? Welcome to LettermanRow.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is Spencer Holbrook. We are talking stuff about the Ohio State recruiting efforts in the class of 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, everything. We haven't reached that far yet. We haven't, but uh, we're actually in person today. We're at Roosters on Olin Tangy River Road in Columbus. This episode of Talking Stuff, however, is, as always, sponsored by Buyers Auto. If you're looking for an auto, go to BuyersAuto.com. Um, we're just here hanging out because we just had some lunch and, and filmed an episode of Letterman Live, which is another Letterman Row property. We love all of our sponsors. Yeah, we love all of them equally, but also some more than others. But also Roosters and Buyers. But mostly, yeah. Um, so anyway, we're talking stuff. That means we're talking about Ohio State recruiting and Spencer, on Friday, Ohio State picked up another win on the recruiting trail. That was George Fitzpatrick, uh, the offensive lineman from Colorado. You and Austin and I broke down that, you know, reaction video to that uh, commitment on Friday afternoon. But I think that there's a lot to it that goes into what happens now on the recruiting trail when it comes to George Fitzpatrick's commitment and how that impacts the rest of the class of 2022 on the offensive line. And I mean, that's sort of the, the overwhelming response that people come back with. Anytime a commitment happens is, okay, what about, what about this? What about, what about ism is like the worst thing to me about covering recruiting because there's never a moment where people can just celebrate good news. I think it's all about context. And I think that's why you know, we had the reaction show with Austin, but we kind of talked about what it means for Greg Stadrawa and his recruiting efforts and the turnaround that he's been able to make in the offensive line room. We didn't really talk about it from a perspective that much of the 2022 class and what it means. Because on the last episode of Talking Stuff presented by Buyers Auto, if you're looking for a car, go to Buyers Auto. Yeah, um, absolutely. We, we put it into perspective of there are nine guys who could commit. Yeah. There are nine guys in the running. And believe it or not. It's hard to contextualize this commitment. It's huge for the Buckeyes. He's a 90 overall. He's a four-star guy. He's a, a really talented player from Colorado. But it almost fogs it up even more with the offensive line recruiting. And, and I don't mean to, to delay trying to contextualize this. It's very difficult to contextualize what the commitment means for the class. Because now there are still eight guys for seemingly one spot. It puts, it puts a lot of guys under the microscope and, and puts you in a position where if you're Cam Dewberry, if you're Ernest Green, if you're Addison Nichols, if you're Emil Wagner, if you're Billy uh, Shrouth or Carson Hinsman or Zach Rice or, or, or Tyler Booker to a lesser degree, I just these kids are going to have to make a decision. Hey, uh, how badly do I want that spot? And if you are a player like Tyler Booker or Zach Rice, you know, highly ranked top five guys at your position. Um, maybe you feel less impelled to make a decision quickly. Maybe you're like, hey, that just proves to me that Ohio State's not the spot I want to be, whatever. Ohio State coaches in, in this situation have to look at it from how do we protect the program and how do you build the program. So for the Buckeyes, it's about which guys want to commit next because those will be the guys that get to commit next. This is not a situation where, and, and I know that people want always to dissect the ins and outs of recruiting to the nth degree. Yeah, what does it mean? Right. What it means right now is that there are two commitments on the offensive line with Tegra Shibola and um, George Fitzpatrick, and there is 
likely a room for one more, at least, that we know of for sure, and maybe two. I, I can't help but think Ohio State's going to take two more in this class, but I think that the goal is and has been and remains to only take three. So who is the next one that wants to commit? And then if you need to take a fourth a couple months down the road, who's still available from this core group of, of guys that you can chase down the road? And I also think that's why I think it plays out for Cam Dewberry and Ernest Green to be in that pick. Yeah, but I also think for any of these guys, any of these eight, Ohio State's in a a good position to be in whilst being in a bad position, I guess, because you don't want to tell any of these guys no. There's eight guys that could commit for one or two spots. At the same time, you're Ohio State right now. You've got two cards, especially when it comes to recruiting tackle. There are no tackles in the pipeline. You can be the guy after Paris Johnson. You are the tackle. That that's a very good trump card to have. The other one, instead of recruiting from the number three or number four position in the country, you can say we have the number one class. We have the the best quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Do you want to block for him or anyone else in the country? And so I think while Ohio State's in a, a a rough position here, trying to navigate these waters with eight different guys for two spots, they're also in a really good position of their the pitch and the sell, especially a tackle, has never been better. It, it's a it's a very easy sell. You gotta have it a guy, be, but you it should be. Have, but you gotta have a guy who wants to buy it, and you also have to have a, an available option to choose from. And to be honest, I mean, right now, if you look at offensive tackles, uh, George Fitzpatrick is a closer to a true offensive tackle than Tegra Shabola is. Um, he's more close to a true offensive tackle than Cam Dewberry is, or than Ernest Green is. Those guys can both play tackle, and I think that that's something that, as we've talked about over the years now, like. This is a positionless thing. They're finding six, you know, five guys who are six foot five, six foot six, 325, 330 pounds, and you move them around. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. There are guys out there uh, in Ohio like Emil Wagner, who you know we talked about a little bit uh, last episode of the show. It seems like if you're looking for a guy who wants to come in and contribute right away, it can't be Wagner. He's not going to. He knows that, too. And that's the thing about Emil is that he knows that he's a couple years away. So if you look at the offensive tackle position, there's two guys that people want to keep asking about, right? And that's Zach Rice, and that is Keontae Goodwin. Zach Rice made his official visit to Ohio State. I don't think that there's any chance he's going to Ohio State, so I just don't talk about it. Because, I'm again, my, my role here, I guess, is to sift through the crap and talk about the stuff that actually matters. I just don't see any scenario where, where Zach Rice ends up at Ohio State. I think it's North Carolina, Notre Dame. Um, battle really there with Virginia sort of as the dark horse. I don't think that Ohio State is a real option for him. I know he took the visit. I know he wanted to visit. It's great, but I I just don't see it. So I just don't talk. About like here, but here's the thing, Mark. And I'll just be really blunt. If I like you, it. if you if you wanted to right now, Emily Blunt could, or John Krasinski, who's the better actor? If you wanted to right now, and you wanted to just John Krasinski is the answer. If you just wanted to find out from Zach Rice, hey, are you still talking to Ohio State? You could probably get a hold of him in some capacity. Say, hey, did you like Ohio State? What are you thinking? And he could say, yeah, I like Ohio sure. State. And then you could write 300 words, and people could read about it. But the bottom line is, he's not going to Ohio State. 
Yeah, it seems unless it, something crazy happens. It seems very unlikely at this point that he, that Ohio State is in that conversation, despite the fact that he took the official visit. Obviously, he liked them enough to take a visit. The relationship is okay. It's not one of these things where you just feel like when Keontae Goodwin ended his recruitment by committing to Kentucky, that was a shock to the Ohio State system. Okay, that was a whoa, what 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 just happened there? This is not what we anticipated, and. With Zach Rice, it's like, okay, he came to visit. We They didn't think that they were in a winning position before he visited, and they didn't think they were in a winning position after he left. Does it mean that they felt like they, they wasted their time? Of course not. Like you, you want to have the best players in the country on your campus and get to know them, but you also want to do that because you're looking for, to make sure that guys are the right fit for what you're building. So uh, in that instance, it, it was a situation where Rice was one of four offensive linemen visiting that weekend. The other three were Tegra Shibola and George Fitzpatrick and Emil Wagner. Um, so you just you just sort it out. I mean, uh, Zach Rice has been to North Carolina multiple times. Notre Dame is a, a big thing for him. Uh, and again, Virginia is sort of the dark horse. But I just don't talk about it. With Keontae Goodwin, I think that that's worth talking about at times. But I also know that Ohio State is much more than happy to move on on the offensive line and just take Cam Dewberry and Ernest Green or Billy Shrouth and someone else and not have to deal with a situation where they felt a little bit like, I don't not that anybody is owed anything, but I think that there was a maybe a belief that had the rug kind of got pulled from underneath them there uh, when Keontae Goodwin decided to commit to Kentucky just uh, two days before the dead period announcement you know, came that it was over when they had waited for so long to get him on campus. I think it was an understanding too, that he was going to visit. Right. And, and, and that well, kind of, there was an understanding, there was an understanding that he was going to visit as an uncommitted prospect. And because he had for a year straight said, I'm going to wait and take official visits. And then two weeks before official visits were allowed to happen, then all of a sudden it doesn't, I don't think, I mean, these are grown men. There's, you know, Ohio State's in a position of, of saying, hey, we're going to handle our business. You handle your business the way you want. Um, but I think that that was at least in some ways an opportunity for Ohio State to say, OK, well, this is where we're going to turn our focus. If Keontae Goodwin wants to come calling in November and Ohio State doesn't have an, another tackle committed and Billy Shrouth ends up at Wisconsin or Notre Dame or Ernest Green ends up at USC or or uh, Cam Dewberry decides to stay home and go to Texas A&M. Sure. Answer the you're going to answer the phone. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to you're going to answer the phone. Right. Absolutely. But here's the thing. Hey, Macarena. at the at the end of the day, and maybe this is the Spencer becomes mean. Oh, I show. love it. At the end of the day, Spencer's going bold. At the end of the day, you are Ohio State. Sure. And if a kid wants to commit two weeks before visits are allowed to yeah. Kentucky and not even visit Ohio State, I would if I was Ohio State, I'd feel a little burned by that. You know, I mean, and and you, I think that's you, reasonable. You let him go at that point. Absolutely. And if he wants, you know, there's an old adage, Spence, in the world of romance and relationships, that if you love something, set it free. And if it comes back, it was meant to be. Yep. Um. Right. So get anyhow, rolling. Spencer, should we have a Spencer gets mean segment on the show from now on? We can. I mean, I've got. I love it. I've got enough. If we had a second camera where he could just do like a solo ISO shot of you and it could just be like Spencer getting mean, almost like read reading mean tweets, but only you saying mean things to people, I would be totally. I don't think this is as mean as it is just the truth. A lot of times people in recruiting try to beat around the bush when it comes to the truth. The truth is John Krasinski is a better actor than Emily Blunt. I don't know where this is coming from, but the truth is Zach Rice is probably never going to play at Ohio State. Yeah. And Keontae Goodwin 
in my opinion, did a little bit burn Ohio State with what he did. I agree. And so from there, you look at the available options at offensive tackle. They're, they are few and far between. And the offensive line, as great as it is that they got a George Fitzpatrick commitment, it made things a little more foggy from our point of view to try to dissect what's going to happen the rest of the class. Kentucky got a good win from Keontae. Oh, my gosh. All right. Without question. I think we're done. Ohio State is in a position where they are still looking for another def- uh, offensive lineman or two. And, again, people want to ask about Emil Wagner. I just think that if he wants to wait, which it seems to be that's what he's intending to do, no offensive lineman in this class, and I, I see this entirely honestly, and Keontae Goodwin is a perfect example of what I mean. There's not a single player Ohio State is going to say, no, we can't have you commit because we're waiting for this guy at this point. They're just not doing it. It's Ohio State. They believe quite firmly that they are the best program in the country, if not the best, one of the top two in the country, and they don't feel like they are in a position where they should have to wait on anyone. It's the number one class in the country, too. If you want into the number one class in the country, get in. Right. And if you don't, well, then you're, you're sort of making a, a decision by not making a decision, I guess. And yep. that, that's where I would go with that. Um, it's defensive back week. We're, again, live here at Roosters doing talking stuff. The Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Auto. So it's, it's defensive back week. So we want to talk about this for a minute because I think that that's, you know, kind of the thing that people are worried about, Spencer. As you look at the defensive back class, five guys already committed, four cornerbacks. The Buckeyes have a clear-cut top two left at safety that they're chasing in, in Xavier Wanpa and Zion Branch. And in an almost cruel twist of fate, I think if you get one of them, it makes it harder to get the other, obviously, because now you have to convince, you know, three guys to, to join the, the group at that position. The Buckeyes have handled it the right way this far. Like they've said to each one of them, here's your role. There's been no deviation from the role. There's no, you know, confusion. There's no way other schools can send a message. They, oh, well, these guys are lying to you. Because they sat down, Kai Stokes, Xavier Wampa, and Zion Branch, who all made their official visit at the exact same time, sat them all down in the same room and said, this is how it's going to happen. And at that point, believe it or not, right? Yeah, and, you know, we talk about it a lot. Ohio State doesn't do a lot of, uh, you know, blowing smoke up kids' butts on what's going to happen once they get on campus. They tell them, hey, you know, you're going to have McMurray, uh, you know, Make sure you know you're a freshman. You're going to have right. the you know a time to to develop. If you're good enough, you'll play early. And this is exactly where we see you. We're not going to switch positions unless you bring it to us. And we're not going to deviate from what we tell you unless you want that to happen. Then we'll discuss it. Ohio State sat them all down and said, "Hey, this is where you will play Kai Stokes. This is where you will play Xavier Wampa. This is where you will be Zion Branch. If you like that plan, we're, we'll have you." Yeah. And I think that's the correct approach here because if you told all three of them. Uh, you know, you're going to play safety in the exact same spot. Well, it's going to be a lot harder to recruit. I think if you have Xavier Wampa commit or you have Zion Branch commit, call me crazy. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. Am I crazy? That might, I'm of the other opposite opinion where I think that helps Ohio State because then you see like, okay, two of those pieces are in place. I can be the third piece that they've already told me where I'm going to be and we can really start to build the secondary. And I think it helps Ohio State in a way. Yeah, and what we do know is that Ohio State is in the mix, right? Very firmly in the mix for both Zion Branch and Xavier Wampa. I would say that with Wampa right now, it looks like a, a three-team race between Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Texas A&M. Uh, and with Zion Branch, he released a top five on Saturday night. It was Ohio State, USC, 
Oklahoma, Clemson, and Alabama. He's not visited Clemson or Alabama yet. Those visits are expected to happen during the season. And so you can reasonably think based on long-term relationships, based on what you know has been reported and said by him directly. Um, I think it's Ohio State-USC at the top there with, with Clemson and Alabama are always a concern no matter who's recruiting who or when or how. Um, you know, Oklahoma is obviously trying to sell a vision of, of what they want their defense to be in the Big 12. And so they're in the mix here as well because they did get an official visit. But I think it's Ohio State or USC at the top there. And then with Ohio State and Notre Dame with Texas A&M on the periphery for Xavier Wampa. Um, I don't know. I mean, neither one of those guys at this point is trying to make a decision anytime soon. Both of them had initially planned to have a decision made this summer and heading into their senior years. But because of, I mean, we talked about this all the time. The COVID year was going to operate one of two ways. People are going to either take all their visits and realize, okay, I know exactly what I need. Now I want to head into the season and, and shut it all down. Or they were going to say, well, I don't, I couldn't get enough information trying to cram everything into four weeks in June. So for both of these two kids who are very cerebral, very purposeful, intentional kids, like they, they just need more time. Yeah. And it makes sense. I, I don't fault them at all for, for taking their time and, and figuring things out. And, like you said, Ohio State's in good position with both of them. It's not like Ohio State's falling behind either. I think the longer these recruitments go, does it hurt Ohio State? Does it help Ohio State? That's always the big question when you have a recruitment that's going to go into the summer and into the, the football season. I think maybe with Zion Branch, it helps in a way. I think maybe with Xavier Wampa, they felt like they were so far in the lead for a while. Maybe that hurts a little bit, but I don't think it really has a, a huge impact. I think you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them both on campus this, this fall for a game and whatnot. I think... Yeah, Wampa's, I think, expecting to get back for the Penn State game. I know there's been talk about Zion Branch doing the same thing. And these kids are all in this position where they have just hundreds of people coming at them day in, day out. And that's why when you're talking about the defensive backs, with four cornerbacks committed, with Jaheim Singletary, uh, Jair Brown, Ryan Turner, and Terrence Brooks, like, if you could go down the list and be like, okay, well, there's a concern here, there's a concern here, there's a concern here, and there's a concern here. Every single one of those guys, there is reason to be, um, I don't want to say worried, I don't want to say even concerned, but yeah. there's reason to be at least somewhat on your toes and keep your head on a darn swivel because every school in the country is coming at these kids saying, well, why do they need four corners when they just signed J.K. Johnson and, and Jordan Hancock? Um uh, last year, why why do you need that? And, and so, Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes are coming. They they got it coming at them from all directions. Yeah, and and it's just it's about the rest of this cycle in the defensive backfield is going to be about honest conversations. This is where Kerry Combs can really solidify himself as I guess back in a way. Like, is he an elite recruiter? We already know he can get kids to commit. If he can keep all these guys in the fold, and you're, if you're an Ohio State fan, you would have to be thrilled. Because if he can keep all of these guys in the fold and keep them happy and get them all on campus and show them the vision that he has for each one of them individually as well as collectively within the class, that's when you will officially know, like, okay, Ohio State secondary is in good hands for a long time. Because they, you can the, navigate these waters. You can do anything. That's the thing. They all committed knowing this was the plan. So it's not like anything has changed since they since they made their decision. Jaheim Singletary knew there was going to be four corners when he committed. And Jaheim Singletary, I'm going to, you know, he doesn't talk a lot, but I, I'm going to speak for him in this instance. He does not care about anyone else. Anyone else who's committed does not matter to Jaheim Singletary. So I know there was some, you know, Twitter scuttlebutt two weeks ago after his official visit where he said he didn't say this and people hadn't. 
I am admitting I've not spoken to him about this, but I know what I know about Jaheim from talking to him and from talking to people around him. He does not give a crap about the fact that there are three other cornerbacks committed. Jaheim Singletary knows exactly who he is and where he fits. Um, with Ryan Turner, you know, he committed to Ohio State without ever visiting the school, and then and then he's come up and, and made his visit. Terrence Brooks it was supposed to be all Alabama or Texas A&M where his dad played, and he committed to Ohio State a, a week after visiting for the first time and two weeks after getting an offer. So, sure, you could make a reasonable case that there's a there's reason to be, like, tentative about that verbal as the season goes along. Jared Brown was the first commitment in the class for Ohio State, uh, and, and, you know, he's talked – a lot in the last year about, hey, I'll just see how things go. I'll see where the road takes me. And I don't necessarily think that that's him trying to even be coy. I think it's just the, he's he's being entirely honest and saying, I don't know what's going to happen in six months from now. I don't know what's going to happen six hours from now. I could walk outside and get hit by a bus. <laughs> I mean, he's inter- he's an interesting one. Yeah. he, he the He's always is, willing to talk. He's very they're all willing to be honest and they're all willing to say exactly what they're thinking. And that's, I think a byproduct of having the relationships and the conversations they've had with Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes, because that's what this entire relationship has been founded on, which is, this is exactly how it's going to be. And we don't want to try to sugarcoat things. We're not trying to sell you a, a dream or sell you something. And I, I talk to other people in media and other recruiting writers who will ask me questions. Oh, what does Ohio state think about this kid or what's going on here? And the constant refrain I get from other uh, media folks says, oh my gosh, are they really taking seven defensive backs? Like, and you can almost tell that it is it is intended to be used against Ohio State from other schools. But if if the Buckeyes are approaching it directly and coming straight out and saying, hey, this is our plan, how can it be used against them? It can't. No weapon against you. It can't. Ohio State's honest in recruiting, and that's that's you know we're trying to be honest here. Well, we we were bold. honest with the offensive bold. line bold chatter, uh, scuttlebutt. We're honest with uh, the defensive back recruiting, and Ohio State's honest on the recruiting trail. They know what they're doing. Uh, if you're an Ohio State fan, I, I promise it's better to trust Kerry Combs than to to doubt what he's doing on the recruiting trail. I promise he has a plan. Um, I, I haven't talked to him personally, but if I were a betting man, I would say the guy who's in charge of heading up the number one team in the country's defense, he probably has a plan on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I, I you know I wrote about it on. Monday morning for the recruiting question of the day. Like th- that was the question. How worried? You- yeah. Be worried. Like it's 2021 and, and college football recruiting is a constant state of change and uh, drama. But ultimately the responsibility, and this is something I said last week on Letterman live was that the responsibility for Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes is to restock that roster. And if one of these four cornerbacks decides that they want to go elsewhere because they think four is too many, even though they were told four from the start and they committed knowing that was the plan, if they change their mind, which they are certainly entitled to do, Ohio State will just find another one. Like that's just the way it goes. When Toriano Pride decided he wanted to go to Clemson because the the idea was that maybe he didn't want to be part of a four man cornerback class, Ohio State just moved down the list and went to the next one. And and I guess what it was a top one hundred player. A top one hundred player in Terrence Brooks. Mark Pantoni, Kerry Combs, Matt Barnes, these guys have a plan. They always have a plan. Hey, Macarena. Um Spencer, do we have any like questions or I know people wanted us to play in or out, which we will do later this week. We're not going to do it today. Today's sort of an abridged version of the show. Again, we are live and in person. I'm going to be taking a couple of days off of work here and trying to enjoy a little uh, downtime while we have it before Big Ten Media Days next week. So I'll be back like Thursday. So it's not going to be gone long or anything, but we'll do in or out later this week. Um, 
But this episode of Talking Stuff is really just talking stuff about the offensive line and the defensive backs because that's what we're talking about this week on LettermanRow.com. And again, with the addition of George Fitzpatrick last week, the Buckeyes' top-ranked recruiting class in the class of 2022, 17 commitments, two offensive linemen looking for two more, maybe one more, definitely. And then it really starts to turn into a game of who wants to join on the defensive line because they're going to take five. We know who the other two guys are. Who did you predict? It was Chris McClellan, Hero uh, Ma- Canoe. Canoe, McClellan, Caden Curry, Eni White, and... Uh, Kenyatta Jackson and you know that's just sort of a spitball I, I know people want to see Omari Abor out there and we'll talk about that stuff later in the week but um, uh, there could be some like one or the other thing that happens with uh, Kenyatta Jackson and Eni White we'll see how that plays out and I, I talked about this last week on the show but there's a weird vibe I'm getting just from what happened with Eni White's visit it just seemed like something clicked, clicked. there and uh, I you know, the kid himself doesn't talk a whole lot, so I haven't had a chance to speak to him. I've talked to his coach, and there was just something different about that than I anticipated. Um, so that's a little bit I, I, the reason behind why I included him. It's not anything concrete, but it's just trusting my gut. And in these cases, I've been fairly accurate at times. We'll see. I mean, that things can change over the next couple of weeks. If Eni White makes it back to Ohio State at the end of July for their big barbecue cookout, whatever they're doing in the last on the 29th or whatever, I think that's a really good sign for Ohio State. So we'll talk more about that this week. I'm going to take a couple days off. This is Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Automotive. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, say hello to us, and uh, bye.